Trinity Psalter hymnal, this time to number 312. Number 312, Christians awake, salute the happy morn, whereon the Savior of the world was born. We're going to sing just verse 1 and then verses 5 and 6. Just verse 1 and then 5 and 6. Number 312, and let's stand together as we sing. God's Word comes to us once again this morning from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1. We're going to read today from verse 39 through verse 56 of this chapter. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. We hear now is God's Word. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. 
And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he, is mighty, he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Here we end the reading of God's holy, year, holy word. Well, this time of year, I don't know about at your house, but at our house, uh, about this time of year, a couple weeks before Christmas, uh, suddenly a Christmas music starts playing. Uh, we turn the television to that particular channel and, and Christmas music begins to fill uh, the house. And certainly the songs of Christmas are one of the wonderful ways to celebrate uh, this time of year. We'll do more of that tonight at our candlelight service as we sing many of the songs of Christmas. Uh, it's a part of our celebration to sing praise to God. Well, this morning we look at what I suppose could be called uh, one of the first Christmas carols, this song of Mary, uh, often referred to as the Magnificat, uh, this song of praise to God sung by Mary. And it reminds us of why it is we celebrate this time of year. Uh, it is so easy with the busyness of the season to become distracted. To become distracted by all the other things going on around us. We forget to focus on the fact that God himself sent his son to come to earth to redeem a fallen people. It helps us to prepare, to remember these things, what Jesus came to do for us. And as we look at this song of Mary this morning, it is somewhat a surprising song. Maybe we've read it so many times or heard it so many times, it doesn't strike us anymore that way, but it's a surprising song in that it talks about many reversals, things that don't go the way we think they should go, 
But God orchestrates things in his way and for his purpose. The many reversals in the Song of Mary. We begin by, by seeing how this song is set and what's happening at the time. You recall um, from our uh, study of this text last time that the angel spoke to Mary in verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Well, Mary in those days, we read in verse 39, in those days Mary arose, went with haste into the hill country to the town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. She went to visit her relative. She'd heard that her relative was expecting a child as well, and so she travels and she goes and she comes to the house and she greets Elizabeth. And we read that when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as she is filled with the Holy Spirit, she cries out, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary comes to greet Elizabeth. Mary comes to be a blessing to Elizabeth. And instead, we have Elizabeth giving this blessing to Mary. Blessed are you. Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. You are the blessed one, Mary. I know you've come to visit me, but you are the blessed one. We talked a couple times about that, that Old Testament expectation of who would be the, uh, the, the mother of the Redeemer who was promised to Israel. And Elizabeth, now filled with the Spirit, says to Mary, you are the one. Blessed are you. You are the one who would carry this child. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Mary, all of our expectations are coming to fruition. The Holy Spirit speaks through Elizabeth to encourage Mary, to reassure Mary she had been given this message of a child to be born. She would, she would uh, have this child, and I'm sure there was some nervousness involved with that. But the Holy Spirit reassures her through the words of Elizabeth. You are blessed. You are blessed by God, and blessed will be the fruit of your womb, your son. I know you've come to see me and, and talk about my son, but your son, your son will be the one who was promised. Mary had heard those wonderful words of the angel back in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Your son will be great, Mary the Son of the Most High, reigning on the throne of David, that promised Davidic kingship and a kingdom that will last forever. Elizabeth, in her words, blesses Mary with this glorious declaration, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then she goes on. She goes on to ask this question, verse 43. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Why am I so favored that the, that the mother of my Lord would come and visit me? It's interesting because really from, from a human point of view, from a strictly human point of view, 
Elizabeth's pregnancy was more astounding than Mary's. From a human point of view, Mary is an unwed woman who has a child. That's not so striking. But Elizabeth, barren for years, advanced in years, and now she has the child. I say from a human point of view, it would seem like Elizabeth was the, the greater miracle. But we know this is God's point of view. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? The older being a blessing to the younger. Elizabeth talks about Mary and about her child. You, you would almost have expected her to talk about her own pregnancy. You won't believe it, Mary. You won't believe it. Barren for so many years, and now I'm expecting a child. That's not her words. Her focus is not on herself, but on Mary and the child that God would give her, what God was doing in the life of her younger relative, Mary. Why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed is she who believed. I can't help but wonder if in the back of Elizabeth's mind was the thought that her own husband had not believed. When the angel came to him, he said, how can I know this? Responded in disbelief. And now she says to Mary, blessed are you who believed, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The priest didn't believe the message. The young woman believes and submits herself to the perfect plan of God. It is this meeting, then, between Elizabeth and Mary that occasions Mary's song of praise, a song that focuses on bringing glory to God. Look at the song, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary's song focuses on God. We call it the song of Mary. But it's not the song about Mary. It's the song Mary sings about God and His greatness and His power and His glory. Holy is His name. Mary praises God for who He is, a holy God, a righteous God. He has done great things. Holy is His name. Her focus is on what God was doing in her life. Not even so much on, on the baby itself, but what God was doing in her life. The song of praise brings the focus upon Jesus Christ and the work of God. A wonderful reminder for us today. As I said, especially at this time, it's so easy to get so busy and so distracted 
with all the extra, with all the trappings of the season, that we forget we are celebrating the birth of our Savior. We are celebrating the birth of our Redeemer. That's the focus, must be the focus of our celebration this Christmas season. Uh, that's the, the true meaning of Christmas. I was watching the news uh, this past week and there was some uh, contemporary performer who was on there and who was, who was also bemoaning how we get so distracted with all the extras at Christmas and, and this uh, performer said, we really have to get back to celebrating the true meaning of Christmas. And I was wondering what he was going to say. The true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning of Christmas is family and giving. Now, family and giving are wonderful things, but they are not the true meaning of Christmas. It is the gift of God, His Son given to us in a fallen world. That must be the center. That must be the heart of our celebration as we continue to prepare for Christmas this year. God, the holy God, entering humanity, willing to come down and live among fallen, sinful men and women, boys and girls. That Son sent to save his own. That's the heart of our celebration. If you can spend time with family, wonderful. If you can give gifts, wonderful. But the heart of Christmas is Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. That Redeemer sent from the Holy God above to a fallen humanity to care for his own. Mary sings of what that Redeemer and what God has done Verse uh, 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. There's a, there's a reversal going on. Those who are mighty, those who are powerful are brought down. Those who are humble are exalted. She sings, God scatters the proud. Those who think too highly of themselves. Those who think they are too important. They are so influential. Those who puff up what they think they are. And of course, we've seen that throughout the history of God's working with those who are proud. We think of, uh, of Pharaoh and Moses. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt who is forced to listen to Moses, the slave. And when Pharaoh refuses to do that which is right, he ends up with his host drowned in the Red Sea. God scatters the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. God brings down the mighty from their thrones. We talked a few weeks ago on a Sunday evening, reminded you of King Nebuchadnezzar. This great king who, who one day walks around and looks at his kingdom. Look at this great kingdom I have built. He fails to give glory to God. And what happened, children? He is reduced to being outside, living like an ox, eating grass. God humbles those who think they are mighty. We think of Nebuchadnezzar's successor, Belshazzar. 
That one who would have a huge banquet, who would take the the devoted things from the temple of the Lord and use them for his own profane service, and God comes to him with the handwriting on the wall that his kingdom will be taken away. And that very night, his life is taken from him. God scatters the proud. He brings down the mighty from their throne. And he exalts those of humble estate. We look at Elizabeth and at Mary. These two women, both of them um, should not have been having children, but both of them given children. Elizabeth, the one who was barren, <coughs> will, will bring forth the forerunner of Christ, the Elijah prophesied in Malachi. She will bring forth that forerunner. God exalts the humble. Mary, Mary will be the one who will, who will birth our Lord and Savior. God exalts those who are humble. We've talked about uh, Hannah in the Old Testament, barren, and then she brings forth Samuel, that great prophet of God's people. The humble being exalted. We could think of other examples in the Old Testament. We think of uh, Esther, who was the, the, the relative of a slave, becomes queen of the land. Those who are humble, God exalts. It's a, it's a warning for us today. Not to think too highly of ourselves. Not to think we are so important. Those who are great are brought down, who trust in themselves. But the humble, the lowly, they are exalted by God. They are used by Him to bring forth His purposes. A God who looks upon the humble, she goes on, verse 53, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Again, a reversal, that which we would not expect. The rich sent away empty. The rich can have everything. The rich seem to always get their way. Enough money will buy anything for them. And yet Mary's song says the rich are sent away empty. Their riches cannot save them. Their riches cannot help them. This, this song anticipates an encounter in the life of Jesus, that rich young ruler who comes to Jesus. And, and, and rather than being blessed by what he hears from Jesus, he is sent away empty because he has too much. He's sent away empty because he has too much. The the rich sent away, but the hungry, the hungry being filled with good things. Certainly that is beyond physical hunger, that is that spiritual hunger. We think of Jesus' words in Matthew 5, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. The hungry filled. What do you want for Christmas this year? What's on your Christmas list? Oh, there may be uh, things in this life we would like, temporal things we would like. Do we hunger? Is it our desire that God, if he should give us a gift this Christmas, would be a greater devotion toward him? 
that our hunger and thirst for righteousness would be satisfied. That God would fill us, not only in this life, but also carrying over to the life to come. He fills the hungry. What is it we desire? What do we look forward to? What do we anticipate? Is it that that God himself would fill us with a greater devotion, a greater love, a greater hunger and thirst, and we are satisfied knowing he is caring for us? Again, that, that, that picture of reversal. The hungry filled, the rich sent away empty. And then she says at the end, he has helped his servant Israel and in remembrance of his mercy. He has helped his servant. Well, kids, what's the job of a servant? The job of a servant is to help others. That's what a servant does. Master says, do this, the servant does it. The servant helps the master. Here we have a beautiful reversal where God, the master, helps the servant. God is the one who will reach down to help his people. In remembrance of his mercy, God remembers them. When we think about the the, the remembering, it's more than just calling to mind, it's remembering for good. We think of the story of Noah in in, uh, Genesis chapter 8, when God locks Noah in the ark, and in Genesis 8 verse 1 we read, and God remembered Noah, and God took him through and then brought him out of the ark. Think of the story of of Joseph when he was imprisoned and he is there with two other uh, servants and and he tells their dreams and he says them when you get out of here remember me not just call me to mind but remember me for my good God remembers God remembers his servant God remembers his people in his mercy the master willing to come down. The Master sends His Son, Jesus Christ, and because of His finished work, we, were, we are remembered in mercy. That's what we celebrate. That's what we call to mind. That's what we're preparing for, remembering that glorious truth once again. And that is the call that goes out once again today, to remember. God has remembered us. We are to remember the finished work of Jesus Christ to put our faith, our hope, our trust in Him. That will will be our celebration this Christmas time as we continue to prepare for Christmas. That we celebrate a God so holy, so righteous, but who would send His Son down, who would remember us in mercy. That we might have new life, new hope. That we might, might truly celebrate what God has done in this time, in this season of His year. Oh, it's a call for us today, the the Song of Mary, a call for us to focus, to not be distracted, to not be so concerned about all the other things around us, but to focus on what God has done in His Son, Jesus Christ, and to bring Him praise for that. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For Mary says in verse 55, excuse me, verse 50, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. We are the offspring of those generations, the spiritual offspring. We are those who are called to bring praise, to join our voices with the song of Mary, not a song about her, but a song of praise from her, 
a song of praise to our God, a song of praise to that one who would send his son, the God of great reversals, who brings down the mighty, but exalts the humble, who fills the hungry, but the rich leave empty, who helps his people, his servant in love. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you that you have written down this song of praise for us. And we say with your servant, our soul magnifies you, O Lord. Our spirit rejoices in you, our God and our Savior. Lord, help us this Christmas season in this time of preparation not to be distracted by all the good things around us, good things to enjoy, but help us to be focused on, on the true celebration of Christmas, what you have done in your Son, Jesus Christ. May that be the heart of our celebration. May that be the source of our joy. And may you allow us to share that with those around us, to share this glorious truth of, of why we celebrate this time of year. Because you have condescended, you have come down, you've remembered us in your mercy. Hear our voices of praise, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.